0: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
1: Out of the gates and are ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody. College football is back, and we are back in Nashville from Knoxville to Nashville with e hop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The entire crew is here, ready to get you uh, up to speed on all things game day, which
2: kicks off tomorrow. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm uh, kind of in that in-between zone. We're outside here at 6th and Peabody today. A lot yep. of people, festive, you know, cornhole being played behind us. Kind of want to wear the shades on the I, show today. I do, today. too. Let's go But I'm, I'm a little bit
0: I'm You don't torn. want to look like a jerk, yeah. either. But the lights are very bright. Uh, it's like got it. a Hollywood feel to our set today. I can still
2: see my computer screen <laughs> you know, with the shades on, so I'm, I'm liking it.
0: I think if two of
2: us are in shades at
0: all times, then it's, it's permissible.
2: We're we, we doing shades? We're doing shades. Okay.
0: I think I'll be on shades. and off because I need reading glasses. Yeah, <laughs> nice. so
1: it was, Shamefully. Paul, it was not much of a game. I to hate be it. fair, we didn't expect it to be. There was a guy in the Spire Sports booth last night with Tennessee and Ball State. He teased the halftime over, what was it, It, 37.5? Well, so the first half spread for Tennessee was 26.5. He teased it by 10 more points, and Ball State. kick? Fumbled. You know, there was a touchback through the end zone on the pylon. He would have lost that $1,000 bet.
2: Tennessee was up 38 nothing at halftime. Yep. So he won the bet over by a half 36 point. at halftime. Did he do that before
1: kickoff? Yes.
0: Yeah. Nice job he by had him. A big, he was sweating it. He had a big I, win. I, I, look, I mean, you guys know where I stand on these cupcake games, and uh, I, I just was disgusted by that, but, yeah. but relieved that the Penn State-Purdue game it was and, great. and the Pitt-West Virginia game in particular – because of the atmosphere there were so good and that Pitt West Virginia game as good as it was tells you about how screwed up college football is because they haven't played in 15 years I don't get and that's that. what led to it being so good it was it was week that you atmosphere. were away Chad and I were discussing uh, you know all this realignment and conference expansion and we were talking about um, the the Opportunities for passion and hate that are lost with the lack of geographic concern in conference realignment and stuff that's happened. And when you go away, there was was actually a a very good post on Reddit, which is, I know, a crazy thing to say. It does happen. With somebody (laughs) talking about, you know, for West Virginia – the teams that are lined up to be their rivals, there's absolutely no feeling yeah. of contempt for. And that Pittsburgh to be the number one team and the number two and three teams are also missing for them. So I was happy for West Virginia people last night that they got that team back. And the atmosphere there was phenomenal. To, to see that game in Pitt, which is not far from Morgantown. Morgantown, uh, you guys probably haven't 75 been. 75 miles? Been to it. It's, it's, it's a it's mini seven, Pittsburgh. It's 77
2: miles from uh, the campuses.
0: I went there when I was working on a huge Pac-Man Jones feature to see where he <laughs> smashed somebody in the face with a pool cue <laughs> and talked to people about it. It's a mini Pittsburgh. You know, it feels yeah. like a mini Pittsburgh. That game is is what I want from well, college Well, the
2: game football. was at Heinz
1: Field or they whatever they had call it now. 15
0: years. I mean, yeah, how stupid is that? They changed the name that? of
2: it. I, uh,
0: Even if you're not in the same conference, you've got to schedule that day.
2: By the way, I also blame Pac-Man Jones. Every time I hear West Virginia, I hear Pac-Man Jones say, well, that's just how that is in West yeah, Virginia. Yeah, right. Over and He's over rooting. when I hear their name, I can't as get it out of my head. As bad as the state's image
0: head. was, he took it and made it worse.
1: So we are getting an expanded college football playoff in 2024. It's moving to 12 teams. Pete
0: they Tammel voted on Just it today. reported it, uh, that, that the vote was in a little while ago. Listen, I love this. I, I generally love it, too. But, and I don't know if you heard me bring this up with Blake Benfield yesterday, Josh Pate, who I think is really good, he's Pate a friend of the show. He's, yeah. he's been on with us. I saw a clip from his show earlier this week when he was talking about it. And he said, look, early on it's going to be great. We're going to love it. But later on we're going to come to see that the games during the season, this swayed me a little bit, the games during the season that have had meaning to us, the, the tight Alabama game that means something. The Iron Bowl that means something. The Alabama uh, A&M game that means something. All of those games aren't going to mean anything. And it's going to get shifted down to the tight games for uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, well, 14 that are going to mean I, I something during the that. regular season. And he was preaching scarcity and the meaning of scarcity. And he did it very convincing.
1: I understand that. However the games during the regular season will continue to mean something because what we're going to get now will be a Sugar Bowl like last year with Ole Miss, Ole Miss and Baylor, where it's a playoff game instead of just the Sugar Bowl. Right. Those games will mean something later.
0: But the regular season games, which – and I haven't bought that argument for a long time. The regular season games are so much more important. You're in the playoffs from the beginning. But it's true for the Alabamas and the Georgias, which we hate for being so powerful – their regular season is zero in this scenario just step them right into the playoff well, and it's very rare that they have a regular season game that means anything anyway but now they're really not going to
2: it. I mean it's all it's, it's a trade-off it's, it's in the eye of the beholder I understand Josh Pate's argument on that and that has long been you know the rallying cry of college football every Saturday matters if you lose once you might not win a national championship your season could be over but Utah, in terms tomorrow. of a title yeah and that's you know that's part of the sales pitch behind college football. So I understand that line of thinking. But from the me being the, the eye of the beholder here, I see more big games. Because now suddenly we have a lot more games that matter because there's more teams involved in the championship conversation. Well, and that Texas A&M-Alabama game or Alabama-Georgia or whatever it may be, it's still very impactful because we're talking about maybe hosting – a playoff game or not or having a number two overall right. seed versus having the number eight seed in the in the playoff right that's um, it matters in pro football the same way when we're talking about seeding and where you're going to be in the playoff. and
0: what blake bettingfield raised yesterday as a counter to that which i thought was significant is it a stem transfer portal right if you want to be in the college football playoffs this is a big thing in the epl right you want to play for a team in european soccer that's going to the champions league so if you're not on a top four team and you're a really good player your entire goal is to get on a top-four team because you want to be in the Champions League. Well, college football feels like that right now, right? If you want to be a big-time college football player, you want to be on one of the top four or six teams. Well, if 12 teams are getting in, you might not transfer away from somewhere like Utah because you know you're gonna to go to the college football player and get your playoff and get your chance to be seen in those games.
1: So this news is just coming down and Davey Hudson is back in our studio and is going to clarify this. But this was the proposal of what they were voting on today, and I'm I'm saying that because I'm not sure if they adopted everything with the proposal or not. They adopted I'm,
0: something related to twelve teams. Yes, in right. But, but so
1: first round games would take place on campuses. That's, That's that was the team. proposal. We like that quarterfinals would be played on January 1st or January 2nd, where New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, and then on the adjacent day.
0: We like that. Get uh, out of the 31st. We don't want the 31st.
1: 2026, by the way, is oh, they, the oh, year. Oh. Ah. Oh, so they're waiting on the contract to end.
2: 2026. Nicole Auerbach is a good follow from The Athletic. I'm, I'm following her right now. The 12-team college football format will be the one that was initially proposed okay. by the four-person working group, which is six highest-ranked conference champs, six at-larges yep. in the tournament.
1: The playoff bracket would follow the rankings. No modifications made to avoid rematches of teams. So it's just solely Straight based up. on where you're – if you've already reached one alabama 12. georgia could play the following week based yeah. on rankings yeah
2: I-, I like that don't so it's one versus 12. you don't rig it you know that's that's the NCAA selection committee will get cute with some of their matchups you know because they can in the basketball tournament at times in the second round especially they yeah. like to line things up where they get a storyline this is you're going by the numbers and you got to play who you got to play the working groups charge did not
1: include deciding which bowls might be a part of the college football playoff in the future so but that's that's a key year. here um uh, for like i i'm curious just b- being in nashville the titans are getting a dome is the music city bowl a part of this can it be in a rotation right yeah uh,
2: atlanta's yes. in, yeah but so would be the
1: answer that. so it's more than just the new year's day six that, that would be my thought on how they're going to rotate this. Um, all 11 games would be under the college football playoff umbrella. So the administrative, again, like, um, you're going to have Hancock hand out the trophy.
0: Yeah. And if the Rose Bowl wants to be a national championship game rotation, it's going to have to move off to of January 1st. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to perpetually be right. like, this is a,
2: a first-round game. This is a good thing. Like, I, I, yeah. You know, we could. Josh Pate or whoever can have the debates about whether or not it's good or, you know, you're going to lose. Wherever you get. It's a good thing. More teams having access to the tournament and creating an atmosphere where it's not just two or three teams that matter every year. Now, granted, we I get it. Stuff. Barrett Salee tweets right now. A lot more teams are about to have access to the right to get shut out 45 nothing by Bama in the new college football playoff. Well, in the, in the second round. Yeah. That's fine, but we're also – It's important to make the playoff. Like, if you're a team that makes the college football playoff, that's an accomplishment.
1: Well, we're actually going to have good games in the opening round of the college football playoff is what this means. We're guaranteed that. Like, there will be solid matchups. Also, there are more bowl games where players are going to play. That's another key here. They're not going to opt out. You're going to have multiple bowl games with quarterbacks and big-time players who are going to be – on full display headed into the NFL draft instead of opting out uh, like we had here, another tie in with, with Nashville, the music city bowl with Purdue.
2: Yeah. Well, and here's, here's what I don't want to happen with this expansion to 12 teams. I don't want it to expand to 10 of the 12 teams. We know every year going into it much like three of the four. We know every think year it'll right be now. Predictable, into it. Though. I hope not. I want a re- revolving door of teams three through 12 in this thing that are making it, and a lot of different teams every year coming in having a legitimate chance at making the playoff as they go.
1: Uh, Ross Dellinger, he says college football playoff presidents have unanimously approved to expand the playoff to 12 teams. The date of implementation could be 2024 or 25 or 26. That is going to be left up to the commissioners, which means that's going to be left up to the Big Ten and the SEC.
2: Yeah, new, right? new format. I'm reading front off sports right now. New format expected to begin in 2026, but Hutton, to your point, could start earlier. That's Pete Thamel reporting that they yeah. could start it earlier. Started earlier. I mean, I, why wait? If you have the, if you get it together, and can start in 2024, do it. Don't wait to 2026. Let's get this thing going in 2024.
1: And ESPN, based on their contract with the the CFP. Mm-hmm. They have right of first refusal on the on the deal on expansion. So it's not like it's going to go out to a bid unless ESPN allows that and they won't, right? So this is ESPN driven. Yeah. ABC. I and
2: mean, guess who is lockstep? Hip to hip with exactly. ESPN. The Southeastern Conference. Hit us up on
1: Twitter with your thoughts at Outkick360. It is our college football kickoff special. Going into tomorrow's matchups. Guys, the, uh, the game I'm glued to tomorrow is Florida and Utah. Same here. Number one? We're going to get your top ten later.
0: Number one for me.
1: You would I say number one? I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. Well, you said same here. And you?
0: He it. This is number one for me.
1: Well, I, I think Utah wins, but I'm, I'm do- I, I say that just because I want to see what Florida's about. I know what Utah is.
2: I was uh, – the, right, like the perception the drive, of them. On the drive-in from Knoxville, I was listening to our buddy Chris Childers yeah. on, on Sirius and Rick Neuheisel on their college football show. And they were making their picks, and Chris Childers said, I, I, as I speak these words right now, I still don't know who I want to pick in this game between Utah and Florida. And he kind of laid out all the reasons why he can't make a decision on who's going to win this game. And I, I think, guys – there's a lot of SEC bias I think so, in the too. minds of people because it's Florida. It's the swamp. It is humid as hell. Granted, oh. it's going to be at night, which is, is going to help them. And just the longstanding thought is you don't go into the swamp in early September and that heat and humidity and win. Utah will. And then it's Utah. You know, Utah. Utah hadn't even been in the Pac-12 for that many years, so no way they're going to go in there and do it. This Utah team is different, though. I, I'm, I'm with you, Paul. Utah's got to win this game by double digits. They're very. I, th- good. I don't
1: know about that. I think it's a great game. I think they win by. But I, I think people will be surprised about Utah in the trenches, right? The perception yeah. of the SEC is, it's built up front. To win in the SEC, you're built up front. Utah gets after it on the defensive line.
0: Florida is a mess. I don't. Th- I don't think you fix well, a mess in one game.
1: I agree. Against
0: a, a, a number seven in the country, it's.
1: They're a mess, but I think the mess is out of there. Dan Mullen was a mess. Yeah, I, don't, I don't understand, think but I it's, think uh,
0: fixing the mess in one game against yeah. the premier opponent, even at home, is a big ask. And Utah's I think there's gotta a gotta lot of this. SEC bias
2: Utah's got to win it. I mean, They've to me, all the pressure is on Utah in this game. Top 10 team. I agree with this that. This is their chance. This is not a banner Florida team that we're watching in this game. Utah needs to go in there and win. And I do think people will be surprised to see just how big Utah's offensive line is, how big they are up front on defense, and how physical they're going to play. They don't have the five-star athletes like Alabama and Georgia. Alabama and Georgia play with the same physicality as Utah. But the Utah kids, are they've got a chip on their shoulder. They, they play at a different pace on every play, not the Josh Heupel fast-paced, they play in a I want to knock your head off Yes. every single play. That That is Kyle Whittingham's program is we are going to be the more physical player on every play. Not just team. I'm going to dominate my one-on-one, and I'm going to hit this guy hard. That's that's what they do on every – that's the ethos of Utah football. They need to show that off tomorrow. Utah also has the better ground game
1: and the better offensive line. Yep. I mean, that that's –
0: and maybe the the way I view capability.
1: Utah is they should go on the road in the SEC. If they're sweeping the pack, they should go on the road in the SEC and win this game against Florida. Middle of the pack, SEC East. You could also right? really
2: argue they have the better quarterback.
1: Am I overlooking Florida, though, in that?
2: No, I mean, uh, I, don't think so. I think Florida is hard to predict this year because they still have talent, and Anthony Richardson is uh, a dynamic guy that is a big X factor at quarterback because of his ability to run. So it's not as much sleeping on Florida as are we going to see a renewed Florida spirit under Billy Napier right out of the gates in week 1 with that talent or are we going to see more of whatever the hell that was that took the field in Columbia, right. South Carolina yeah. and got blown out last year. Yeah, the under team Dan that Bullen. didn't care. Yeah, the team that quit. Yeah. The team that lost to, uh, you know, UCF I think in the bowl game, right? Is it going to be that team or is it going to be a new spirit with Florida under Napier. We're going to find out.
1: Utah last season was one
2: of and you're eight right, I teams spoil my top 10 list. Thank you. I One of eight one teams
1: that the ran for 3,000 yards People plus last year. They're going to bring that to the swamp tomorrow night. Ohio State and Notre Dame. We will preview this game and much more with Bobby Carpenter. He joins us next on Outkick 360.
0: You ready? Showtime.
1: It is our college football kickoff preview on our Kick 360 Friday edition from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Bobby Carpenter joins us each Friday at this exact time. Bobby, good to see you, man.
3: Hutton, man. It looks like you guys are having a good time. I mean, I can hear the, the noise, a little music going on out there. Looks like you might be uh, – Hung over from a little bit, celebrating Rocky Top last night, so you should be feeling pretty good.
1: <laughs> uh, college football is back. I On DraftKings, I'm looking at the spread, 17-and-a-half. Is this an easy bet for Ohio State against Notre Dame tomorrow?
3: Anytime you start stretching those bets, I don't necessarily like them. Just given the fact that you can get backdoor covers late in games, And you have no idea how that thing's really going to break in the second half. When it was at 13, 14, I loved it. Felt like two touchdowns, that'd have been easy. I think Ohio State wins this thing 45 17. So by that score, I would say that they'll have the cover. But you never know when you can get a garbage touchdown, field goal late, that's going to change the look or outcome of a game when you start getting into the three score situation.
1: You think we'll learn more about Notre Dame or Ohio State after the game?
3: That's a really good question, and congratulations to you for asking that, because uh, I don't know. Because uh, it's really good, So I'm trying to figure out what I could learn from Notre Dame from watching this versus what I learned from Ohio State. I think we all know that Ohio State's offense is really good. You saw it last year, and you saw what they were able to do throughout the season and then in the Rose Bowl as well. I think the big question is about the defense, and especially in the running game, so If you look at this defense and how they've struggled last year against the running game, the one thing Notre Dame does have going for them is they've got a quarterback in Buckner that's got some good athleticism. They'll probably get him involved in the run. They have a veteran and experienced and talented offensive line. and They're going to try to probably run the football 45 times if they can. So I think you might ultimately learn more about Ohio State and their ability to stop the run than you probably could for Notre Dame.
2: I mean, I can get odds right now on three different Ohio State Buckeyes to win the Heisman. Uh, So it's a a team chock full of talent uh, on offense and really across the board. Bobby, what individual player do do you think we're talking the most about next week coming off of this game on the Ohio State side?
3: I mean, I guess the natural choice is probably C.J. Stroud if he has a big day. I mean, everybody knows about Jackson Smith and Jigba and what he was able to do in the Rose Bowl. I mean, I think I'd think I probably go with one of the other receivers that, you know, might surprise some people. There, there's Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mekhi Buka. And I, I'm just going to pick Marvin Harrison Jr. out of a hat with that and just say that he probably goes off. At least one other guy is probably going to have seven or eight catches. And I would guess a touchdown, possibly two, outside of Jackson. So I'm going to go with Marvin Harrison Jr. and say that, you know, he's someone that no one really knew about. Saw a little bit of in the Fiesta Bowl, but he has a famous last name a uh, famous pedigree, and I think he's going to have a heck of a season because he runs about as good a routes as his dad, and he's about the size of me. So he has something that his father never could possess.
0: <laughs> What's to say about the, the state of the game, the disparity between the best and the uh, close to best that, uh, you know, I bemoan cupcake games. I hate what happened last night in Knoxville. I don't think that it should be scheduled under any circumstances. But here's two versus five. And you're talking 45, what, 14, 17, and everybody's expecting that. So, so I, I can't bemoan the scheduling here. It's a quote unquote a good game, and it might be every bit as entertaining as uh, as Vols and
3: Ball Vol State. You know, I, I guess all you can do is try to schedule up the best you can. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I think that there's just this natural kind of cliff this year that maybe after Ohio State, you maybe throw Georgia in after you see what they look like against Oregon. And, you know, if that defense is as good as they were last year despite replacing, you know, so many players. And offensively, they can get it rolling a little bit. Uh, but it, it's still, I think, a situation where you kind of have a cluster at the top. And one of that cluster's is two, three, four, five. You usually figure that out by midway point halfway or maybe two-thirds of the way through the season but you know as the, as the presidents are getting ready to vote and the chancellor's on you know, this expanded playoff hopefully nil and the expanded playoff i mean no one knows the full implications of that but hopefully this will begin to you know spread out the town a little bit and you know, gentlemen, like i said my school benefits from it as much as anything but you know it's better. i enjoy watching better football games watching the backyard brawl last night between Pitt and West Virginia—that was a phenomenal game. Watching Purdue and Penn State now, granted there may have been some you know, issues with clock management and what they were choosing to do, but like those were really compelling football games. Guys, you know, at the end of it, we like watching sports for the entertainment. You love watching football for the unpredictability and for the great plays. And like you said, you know, Paul, nobody wants to sit there and watch you know a game that's predetermined before the opening kick so you know, hopefully like i said i would like to see ohio state roll i don't want it to hopefully i would like to see a pull away in the second half i don't want to see a score of 28 to 7 in halftime like, all right if they score coming out you know in the opening drive of the second half this thing's over like i would like to see at least tight through halftime and see what can ultimately happen in the second half
1: bobby carpenter with us on our college football kickoff special for outkick 360. Aside from Ohio State-Notre Dame, what is your can't-miss game tomorrow?
3: Gosh, you got, you got the three-bagger, man, and they all involve an SEC team, whether it's Cincinnati going to Arkansas, which I think you'll fi- we can find out a lot about both of those teams because you have a team that lost a lot, but I think everybody acknowledges Luke Fickle's done a great job of continuing to develop you know, players there, and they're playing you know, Sam Pittman in Arkansas. That They've got a veteran quarterback that's on the road. You know, it's about a, you know, I think, a, a right inside a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Arkansas maybe is the third or fourth best team in the SEC, so you've got that. I think everyone naturally is going to look at Oregon coming into Georgia because if Oregon upsets them, I and mean, that would be huge. I, I don't believe that will happen. But I think it will be a nice measuring stick to kind of see where Oregon is. But I think the biggest game of all of them is a, uh, is a team. I think Georgia has a great shot of obviously being in the playoff. But a team that has a, a better shot than people realize is Utah. And you saw how they played against Ohio State last year in the Rose Bowl. You kind of have to have almost a season where it builds up and gets you on the radar to where people fully respect you. So they had that. They've got a lot of guys coming back. They like to pound the rock. And if they can beat a Florida team, albeit a Florida team that's down and it's a Billy Napier's first season and we get all those things, like you go get a win in the swamp in your non-conference and then you maybe have one loss or run the table the rest of the way. Like it's going to be hard. To keep a Pac-12 conference champ out if you have that win on your resume. It may not be as flashy as Bama or Georgia, but still it's it's a tough game to win, and especially if they go there, you know, and physically dominate the Gators, which I'm not saying they're going to do, but I would say they're capable of, given, you know, how the type of football they play. And so I think that they might have the most on the line, not just for them, but trying to, you know, voice help 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 lift up and buoy the Pac-12 conference and maybe get them back in the playoff one more time.
2: Well, Paul wants close games. I've got a close game for you tonight, Bobby, at least I think, based on the line, but I don't know that either of these teams are going to be a factor at all in their conference. How about Indiana and Illinois tonight? A one-point line in that one in the Big Ten. Illinois looked pretty good. I know Wyoming's not very good, but they look good against Wyoming what do you think about what Brett Bealum is doing with, with the Illini, and what do you think about the matchup with Indiana?
3: Well, I mean, Wyoming's a, you know they're, they're a decent mid-major. It's not like they're a bad team. So you know, they'll probably win six or seven games this year, I would imagine. So it's not like they're just you know, a pile of hot garbage. And they, Illinois ran roughshod over them. And I would say you know, for both of these teams, it's kind of a must win because when you're in playing the bottom half of your conference and that's where you live, you've got to beat teams that are equal in talent to you And Tom Allen who took over an Indiana team that had a great offense and kept improving the defense because that's his specialty well the offense is slowly eroded and I understand they've lost Michael Penix and a lot of things have happened but it's a must win for Indiana you lose this game I don't know if Tom Allen is the coach of Indiana in 2023 because you start looking through their schedule it's going to be tough to find a way to get to bowl eligibility you know and if you're Brett Bielema like you in this game you're 2-0 and you're sitting there looking around like okay the West might be pretty good but we can find a way to maybe scratch six or seven wins together. Now we finally got something rolling. So I look at this game, you know, as much as it might be, you know, sitting there like Missouri playing Vanderbilt, like someone's got to win the game. And whoever wins it, that might be their only conference win or at least one of the very few they're going to have.
2: Bobby, another game's got my eye tonight is TCU at Colorado. TCU is a road favorite in that game. Bill McCartney's not walking through that door anytime soon for Colorado. But that's a program I want to be better. And I'll tell you who else who wants them to be better. The Pac-12 could use Colorado being a lot better than they have been lately. What do you think it is with that Colorado program? where they have fallen on such hard times? What do you think about the game and, and, and the matchup at TCU?
3: Well, I mean, it seems like it's almost been 20 years since Colorado has been, you know, very like a relative, relevant player for multiple seasons in a row. And you've got you know, Sonny Dykes taking over there at uh, TCU. They're obviously going to Get that offense going get a churn in and go score try to score a billion points i don't i don't know what it is at colorado i mean i know they're they're kind of landlocked as far as recruiting and they don't necessarily have you know a huge recruiting base you've got denver but, but man if you ever go out there i mean colorado is a heck of a place to go to school and they have a lot of tradition you know and i know they've gotten a lot of issues there uh you know a number of years ago but like you feel like those things should be behind them you got to be willing to have facilities. You've got to be willing to pay coaches. And I think that's part of their problem is, you know, what? you get Mel Tucker leave, you've got to find a way to keep a guy like that who you feel like is turning it around. And you have to invest to try to get some great facilities. But I 100% agree with you, Chad. Like, Colorado is a team that was really good growing up when we were younger. Oh, yeah. like, that, to me, makes college football better. They're one of the programs that was a feature program in the Big 8, you know, they're the Big 12, go to the Pac-12. And it just seems like since probably about 2000-ish, they haven't really been relevant outside of it more than a year or two here and there
0: remember for us if you will your uh your first game as a collegian and uh and the experience of going through that the first time did you did you play much um what 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 was the result of that game who was the opponent
3: So we played Texas Tech in the Pigskin Classic, Um, the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury was their quarterback. Wes Walker was their slot receiver. At the time, we had no idea what those guys were going to be. They had uh, the Pirate as the head coach, you know, before he was in his full fame and glory, you know, and they're throwing the ball like 55 times a game, which was crazy back in 2002. And, Paul, thank you for asking that because that was in 2002. We have our 20-year reunion. Uh, here later on tonight for that 0-2 national championship team. And I was on opening kickoff, ran down and made an attack on about the eight-yard line. Popped up, i like, man, this college, football, this college football thing ain't too hard, like, this is easy. People are cheering, everyone's loving it. Next, uh, we go down and score. Next time I run down, I get blindsided and knocked to my, knocked to my back. So, like, hey, you know, <laughs> one day you're drinking the wine, next play you're, you're picking the grapes. but. I mean, that was the first first game. We had Maurice Clarent go off for like 225 yards in that game. I mean, and that was kind of catapulted us to uh, you know, that national championship run. And it was, we played it, I kind of think it would have been like zero week then because it was the pigskin classic. We had our first week as our bye, I and mean, then we played 12 straight games, not including a conference championship, and then played in the BCS finals. So playing 14 games back in 02 was, you know, it seemed like a heck of a lot
1: bobby carpenter our guest are you more certain about florida state or lsu going into the season
3: oh goodness now you're making me talk to my guy jacob pester who uh you know i think <laughs> i think lsu's more talented i think brian kelly's a better coach than mike norvell they're at home i mean florida state needs this in the worst way we had ej Manuel on yesterday and ej Manuel was stumping hard Talking about all the rushing against Duquesne and the running backs and this. And that. I'm like, Coach, LSU's got a different dude up there than Duquesne does. Like, it's a different type of human. So, you better, you better be ready to go. I want Florida State to be good for the same reason that we want Colorado to be good. Like, it's better when you have the tomahawk chop and they've got the seminal stabbing, you know, the spirit, you know, right in the middle of the field. Like, those things are awesome and iconic to me. But I just feel like LSU despite how bad they were last year they will bounce back much quicker and they're still in a better place right now than Florida State is i would love for Florida State to win this game i think it's much more important to them than lsu at this point but i just don't see it happening
1: college football playoff expansion is happening 12 teams by as early as 2024 this is a win win right i mean i we're all in on this with the with the 12 teams and the matchups that we could have early on where it sounds as though they will host those games on campus, the first-round games. That's going to be awesome.
3: It will be fantastic. Like, I I couldn't be happier about this happening. I think, honestly, the final straw was, like, USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 because now, like, some of the smaller conferences were reportedly holding it up. They wanted this. They wanted that. And now, all of a sudden, you look around, like, if we wait three more years – Right now, we have a seat to bargain with, and it's chip. We might not have that chip in three years, so I think they finally came to the table. Hey, home sites, round one. We'll do this. We'll do that. You know, I don't know if we'll do the automatic bids or how that's going to work. I do want like a group of five school to get in there. If there's one that's ranked in the top twelve, they should be assured a spot. Like, you know, it would have been great, like Cincinnati, if we had it set up. You know, and they would have maybe been in the year before, maybe win a couple games. Like, I think that's just that's just good stuff that ultimately, see. Uh, but I think it's ultimately a win for everybody. Hopefully, some of those dollars they can peel off and get to the players because now you're asking people you know potentially to play what do you if you're four more games after a you know 12 plus a conference game, you know you, yeah. and you're in the uh, the buy window. I mean that's a lot. That's a lot of games that you're asking guys to play and you're getting NIL money, but it's still technically for free to the school. so there's there's that element of it hopefully they can get all that worked out. I believe that they can, but this is really exciting. If you can do this in two years, man, that'll be that'll be freaking awesome.
1: Bobby, uh, enjoy the kickoff tomorrow. I know we had a, a preview of it last night and last week, but here we go. Week one is here. Finally, football's back.
3: Football's back. I'm juiced up. It's a night game tomorrow in Columbus. The weather's going to be as good as it's ever going to be in Columbus, Ohio. So, I'm hoping that I that make it out to the field for getting us getting honored and I, and I find my way back to my house after the game. This going to be a long day, gentlemen.
1: At BCarp3 is where you can follow Bobby Carpenter on social media. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate you, man. Coming up on Outkick 360, more of our college football kickoff special. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. It's our college football kickoff special. And we're talk, We're going to preview all these games coming up over the next hour, so we will give our predictions as well, conference by conference. That's coming up in roughly 30 minutes or so. So right now, if you bet the favorite in college football, you're winning. They're 26-1 against the spread. <laughs>
2: Not against the spread, I don't think. I think they're twenty-six and one, straight up. Straight up, the one loss. Big Nebraska. That's not as
1: impressive to me, then. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, the favorite
2: is one. Yeah, twenty-six and
1: one. Opening weekend, the favorite should win.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's also impressive that Vegas didn't mess anything up. So opening weekend, uh, Nebraska is the one. Uh, The Crimson Tide. Vegas believes this is their
1: best team ever, based on the the money for them to win the championship game.
2: This depresses me, it's not quite worth. frankly. Uh, it's just, it never ends. And also, Nick Saban is uh, getting angry during his radio show. So, you know, you know, football season's arrived. They haven't played a game yet, and he is uh, chastising people who write things about what could happen later in the season.
0: Well, fans, fans are asking him about uh, what's going to happen in his second game. It's just going right by well, his first
2: game. Yeah, he's saying, you know, uh, I read all these articles in the offseason about, who would win in this matchup with this team at the end of the year? And he said, who gives a bleep? We got a game this week, and that's all we should worry about. Let's write about can this team – how can this team beat Alabama this week? And then the next game, how can this team beat Alabama this week? That's
1: oh, the story you should be when writing. you're
0: scheduling teams that you're going to beat by 40, we're going to skip past them. It's that was the case last year, we do.
1: <laughs> I mean, look at their games. They could have easily lost four or five games based on how those fourth quarters played out. Yeah, but and not now- the
0: first one against – well, Louisiana, TAC, yeah. whoever. Who well, are they playing? It's, also, I mean, it's
1: a Division One game, though. They're not playing TSU.
2: It's sports. I mean, we talk about who we think might win it all. We're, I mean, we're going to make Super Bowl picks and do the same exact right. thing. Uh, you think Sean McVay sitting there getting mad about, oh, I saw all these people saying who we'd win in the Super Bowl if we played the Bills. and the, I mean, it's what you do. I mean, I Come mean,
1: on. Everyone, I mean, we're going to pick the Crimson Tide or Georgia out of the SEC. But the fact that John Murray at Superbook, he, the quote is, we believe this is Alabama's best team. I mean, that's saying something come on, coming off of last
2: year to me. Well, it's, when it's coming from a straight uh, sportsbook, gambling spread perspective, that's interesting to me because I don't necessarily think that this is their best team, but it may be the biggest gap with their schedule and who they're playing. So their quality compared to their schedule's quality, this may be the best Alabama team ever, right, from a gambling perspective. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying he's looking at it from that perspective, which is an interesting one to look at, and I think it could be two different things we're talking about.
1: I mean, they were double-digit favorites in several games last year, too, and didn't end up covering. This is a a different vibe, though, with the returning Heisman winner. and.
0: About what was the phrase that he used when he categorized last year. Rebuilding. Yeah.
2: (laughs) There's a rebuilding year for him.
0: You know, those just (laughs) typical rebuilding
2: year where it ends in the national championship game. Yeah. When you have a fourth quarter lead in the national championship game.
1: So your odds to win the college football playoff. Alabama's plus 180. Ohio State plus 300. Georgia is plus 425. And then Clemson. Vegas believes in Clemson as well. As well as the AP top
2: 25. Clemson. Uh, I don't know what well, to they think about Clemson people only lost on Clemson. three games last year. Well, Isn't that crazy? Like that That's a disastrous season for Clemson right but now. But they're also it's winning games like
1: 13-6.
2: Well, and that's why I like Clemson. That's why a lot of people like Clemson is because their defense is their, very their good. Their defensive line they is They are five-star level talent yeah. similar to Georgia a year ago. Not as good as Georgia's defense. But they've got dudes right. at every level of their defense. What was
0: the early Clemson game too? Was it LSU? They had last a big year. early yeah. kickoff game oh. that was a big deal. Uh, that kind of set the tone.
2: They play uh, on Labor Day night this year against Georgia Tech in in Atlanta. That's the Labor Day game.
1: No, you well, uh, last right, year. This yeah,
2: I, I, it was it was a national spotlight where DJ Uungalele did not play well at all and, and I it think was an early
0: lot, game. A lot of people just wrote them off right then. Um, and that they lost two more. So was Yeah, so know, a huge disappointment based on what we've come it to It was Georgia.
1: Georgia. 10-3. Yeah. The final score.
2: And looking back, I mean, that's that was start an incredible performance defense. by Clemson.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they lost to the eventual national champion by 7 points. Um they beat Georgia Tech last year 14 to 8. That's where that's the one where I said something's not right here. but Because it gets Georgia's defense, it's one thing, to only score a field goal. Bad, but understandable against an all-time defense. When they put up 14 and almost lost to Georgia Tech, yeah. I'm thinking that's this is not but good. But that's kind
1: of my, my
2: point. Like, I think that's how they win games this year.
1: So why is everyone back? And I realize Clemson hasn't been talked about to nearly to the extent of the other powerhouses, even though they are one. I mean, they're in the playoff every year. We expect them to be. And
0: they're fourth, right?
1: But we saw a different Clemson
2: last year.
0: Well, well we got spoiled by quarterback. They also, I mean. they, they have changed that.
2: They got to replace two coordinators. Yeah. I mean, both left for jobs. Britt Venables left, and uh, uh, Elliott left to uh, Virginia. They so beat Syracuse 17-14. But that's been such a big part of their greatness has been consistency yeah. and continuity with their coaching staff. And now you're, you're right. replacing both coordinators, also. I mean, look, you're bringing up a good argument. I, we're going to have our picks later. I, I like Clemson, also. But there's a lot of things yeah. to ask questions. about I think right it now also
0: says you know a lot about what people think about NC State and and who's next in the in the ACC in terms of yeah. who's going to replace them at that. Well, top. they're
1: in the mix, but it's I mean. Going into last year, it was Clemson's winning the ACC. Yeah. Now they're in the mix to win the ACC. And
2: That's still, how I view them. I would still say, though, they are most people's pick to win oh, the ACC. And right? they're
1: outstanding defensively. Yeah. Don't get me wrong here. Georgia was outstanding defensively and won a national title last year. So I get it. But at the same time, I'm seeing final scores in the ACC that Clemson generally doesn't have. Yeah. Even though they're winning some of these games.
2: Well, look, we'll see if, uh, you know, a change in coordinator, de- defensive coordinator they didn't need any change in, obviously with variables right. in their defense. Yeah. But maybe uh, offensive coordinator, it's a, it could be a good move for both sides that he leaves, maybe. right? And now you've got a new direction there.
1: Georgia Tech, by the way, capped the, uh, the ticket sales for this game at 45,000. And because? the speculation is because they didn't want 50,000 Clemson fans showing up. So they cap the like. I've never heard of a school capping it at like a minimum. We're going to cost ourselves
2: money yeah, usually yeah. Just in just order to not it let and take I mean, the, the. game's money. in Atlanta. The other team come yeah. coming to our place. That's that's a. It's little, weird, right? That's a little ridiculous. It's weird. By the way, quick review of uh, DeLand Stadium renovations last night. We were there for it. Looks great. Uh, Paul, it's impressive. Paul we talked about it one day with the ball side. How easy that was, and it makes it look aesthetically better. The party deck. We didn't. We weren't in there. But looking at it, it looked really cool. The new club level, at one point I was right behind the West Club level, and you could see where people were walking out into a deck area and then going back to a bar. Uh, It it looks nice. I I wouldn't say over the top, you know, state of the art, but really nice. Like it it serves its purpose.
0: Good. Uh, uh, Those those letters, I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world to do that adds a touch that – is well beyond the value of what it cost them to It also still
2: amazes me. I had to walk all the way around the stadium to go find these guys at one point, and going through the bowels of old Nealon Stadium. (laughs) I forget going on the east side of the stadium, like East Stadium Hall. That thing was built in the early 1900s, and, I mean, it looks every bit. The pipes are exposed, and, I mean, you're walking underneath the stadium, and you see just how old the foundation of the stadium really is. Chad, give us the opening round
1: of the 12-team college football playoff if it happened this past year opening round
2: the 12 seed would be pittsburgh playing at number five seed georgia the 11 seed would be utah playing at number six notre dame that's an interesting game. that's yes. awesome 10 seed michigan state at number seven ohio state which would be a rematch yep nine-seed Oklahoma State at number eight seed Ole Miss. That's an interesting... The Ole Miss-Oklahoma State winner would get Bama. Ohio State-Michigan State winner would get Michigan. Notre Dame-Utah winner would get Cincinnati. Georgia-Pitt winner would get Baylor. Pretty cool. Bring it on. Yeah, let's do it. As soon as possible. Let's make some hats. More
1: of our college football kickoff special on OutKick 360. We preview tomorrow's kickoff. Next on the OutKick Network.